1999, China purposefully ran one of its World War II-era warships aground, basically beached it, on 2nd Thomas Shoal. It's a submerged reef in the South China Sea, and it was basically a way for them to, like, plant a base in the middle of the ocean so that they can lay claim to it, right? So that happened all the way back in 1999. It's been an ongoing dispute between the nations in the area. And, you know, fast forward to last month, and now China has announced four, four new military bases to be built, basically semi-encircling the United States ally of the Philippines. Uh, this is all, again, to further lay claim to the South China Sea, uh, which is, you know, tensions are very high there and everything else. It's, it's a very forward posture. And then fast forward again to just last week and a Chinese supply vessel heading to this beached warship base thing, which is still manned to this day, was attacked by the Filipino Navy using lasers lasers to blind the bridge crew forcing the chinese supply ship to return to its home port oh wait excuse me yeah dude yeah no i'm in the middle of that i'm trying to record right now actually shit what it's all backwards oh 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 no what you have a podcast computer Show the historical documents. Really? Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. Fighting fascism is a full-time job! Amazing <laughs> It is not enough to cater to the nation's whims. You must also serve the nation's needs. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. Before I came to office, the story was about how the People's Republic of China was increasing its power and America was failing in the world. Not anymore. Growing questions surrounding the White House's decision to shoot down three more unidentified flying objects over the weekend. Less than a week after the U.S. military brought down a suspected Chinese spy balloon off the coast of South Carolina. The second Thomas Shoal is part of China's Patli Islands. On Feb 6, a Philippine Marine Police vessel intruded into the waters without the permission of China. The Chinese Maritime Police vessel operated professionally and with restraint on the spot in accordance with China's domestic laws, international law, including the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea. War. War never changes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Recovery from Politics Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Frame, and today is Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. Happy Valentine's Day. I would like to begin by saying that in no way is this defending China's one China policy, which is basically them saying they own everything, or in any way saying that China is innocent of anything okay i am just pointing out some things that i find interesting because this drumbeat that we're hearing right now may not succeed okay there for years under both the bush administrations and the trump administration there was a drumbeat to go to war actual war with iran and we did come very close and luckily or unluckily depending on how you look at it 
uh, Trump is an absolute coward and couldn't commit to an order once he gave it. Otherwise, we could very much be at war with Iran right now. Now, you know, it's good that we didn't, but it's also bad that we had a president who was so flip-floppy on something like that. Like, if you're going to go in, go all in, like, own it. Like, I want the president in that moment to decide whether or not to shoot someone to be very confident in their decision. One way or the other, really. I, I mean, but I think having a weak, wobbly president on a decision of that magnitude is bad if anything you want your leader to be very confident in their decision in that moment so that's why i say depending on how you look at it yes war bad and war with iran would have been bad um especially under that regime but you know i'm glad it didn't happen when biden first took office before he took office when he was campaigning he was openly mocking and making fun of president trump for trying to call it the wuhan virus and saying it's all china's fault and everything else and and biden was very much pushing against that so much so that in his first year he told i think it was may of 21 he told the state department to just shut down your investigation into this whole wuhan lab theory it's totally bull it's bogus don't worry about it but then all of a sudden right around the time of the midterms this last year all of a sudden his tune changed and now there is an investigation going on is which is a little strange considering he was very clear on that and then just perusing yesterday's headlines okay just just random yesterday monday two well three headlines actually uh stood out to me one was posted by max boot in the washington post opinion section and he went ahead and wrote that the all-volunteer force turns 50 and faces its worst crises yet and it was really strange because it framed things oddly uh it pointed out some facts so first off the united states army missed its recruiting numbers by 15,000 last year and it cites the low unemployment as the number one reason like in the list of reasons why recruitment was low the first one was well unemployment's so low and you know, if you don't have poor people who aren't working, you just can't get anyone to volunteer to go take a bullet, which, and then of course, when they list that this is a bad thing amongst all the crises, because we have these growing threats and it lists these countries, China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea. That was their ordering. They put China first. And that also kind of spoke to me. And another thing that spoke to me was that it, it kind of bemoans the end of the draft era. Um, you know, it actually, quote, we have drifted away from the citizen soldier model that was such a part of our nation's history, end quote. And I thought that was a little odd that that all of a sudden out of nowhere was in a Monday morning op-ed op in the Washington Post by Max Boot, who, while he is an ally against Trump, is very much a neocon. And then another headline yesterday moment chinese warship aims military grade laser at filipino coast guards temporarily blinding crew in disputed south china sea weeks after manila struck deal with u.s for new bases that was from the daily mail and boy is that a uh, just a huge like why is that your headline that's not a headline that's that's a sentence a very run-on sentence that needs some periods and possibly some context and that context is what i found out so I, I was only kind of doing the tongue-in-cheek thing at the beginning 
1999, the Philippines purposefully beached a 330-foot World War II-era warship, the BRP Sierra Madre. And it was purposefully run aground in the second Thomas Shoal on a submerged reef to enforce the Philippines' territorial claims. So basically they created this base out of nowhere. It is still manned to this day. It is a rusting bucket out there. Um, I'm putting it up as my clip art for today. Uh, but it's a rusting bucket just sitting there. And so this Philippine ship did go out to supply it because it's got a crew still and it's manned, um, even though it can't do anything. And the Chinese responded by driving up really close and shining this bright laser directly into the crew's eyes so that way they would have to turn around and go away. And I thought this was a little, you know, interesting to know that it was us, the Philippines, doing that. And then it turns out that China is basically really pissed off at the Philippines right now because the Philippines and the United States have come to an agreement where the United States is going to build four brand new military bases in the Philippines. Four brand new, out of nowhere. So I don't know how much a base costs, but good God, why are we not looking into that? Um, and I thought that was odd because that was something Biden agreed to just last week. And of course, we have the Taiwan statement. We have his very strong we're against China thing. And I thought that was a little odd. And then another headline from yesterday, my Seattle Times goes ahead and says, quote, U.S. holds drills in South China Sea amid rising tensions with Beijing. So this isn't something that is unforeseen like if you have tensions with a country, you would usually think, hey, let's de-escalate. We don't have to do drills right now in the South China Sea with Japan and the Philippines. We could just like reschedule it for a later date. But instead, we're going ahead with it now. And I'm always looking at things on the other foot. So that's why I opened the way that I did today where I opened and I basically switched the names around. And I said, hey... If we're the United States, how would you react if China said, we're going to build four brand new bases on the border of one of your allies, so effectively your country, and we're going to go ahead and cheat and we're going to beach warships in the middle of the ocean to say that, hey, those are ours now, you know, um, because that's just how my brain works. I'm constantly thinking, how do the other people look at this? Now, the China one policy is absolutely crazy because China it's it's a myth China has never been China like you you look at a map and you see the huge contours of China and everything else that is actually not true there is a lot of disputed territory within China you have the Wuhan provinces or excuse me not the Wuhan provinces but the the Uyghur provinces they have claims you have Tibet which also has claims you have all these different territories within China that are trying very hard not to be China, but unfortunately the Chinese military kind of forces them to be. And also historically, China has never been China. China has looked more like, and I'm going to phrase this for Americans, if Americans look at Africa, 
you see the continent is all kind of diced up into multiple different countries. And every couple of years, that seems to change from our point of view, right? Normal American white people view, we don't pay attention to those things. So every time we look at Africa, it's like a brand new map. In reality, that's kind of how China is. It's all a myth. It's this huge story that they tell themselves to justify things like Hong Kong, Taiwan, even the Philippines. They're laying claim to the entire region. And it is a, an entire manufactured thing that they had to come up with as a way to unify their people after their revolution that ended up making them communist. The Communist Party in, in charge of China needed something to unify its people. So they started projecting this thing. And it's actually taught in Chinese schools that China has always been a singular massive mass of people and regions and it's all just one region and it's the rest of the world that wants to take away things like taiwan and hong kong and the philippines and all that other stuff but really china's been here forever and always has and that is a complete myth and fabricated story that the chinese government is purposefully putting out there to do what they're doing so i am not defending anything they do their regime does have a lot of problems I'm just kind of pointing out the United States isn't making it easy on them. In addition to the four new military bases and, you know, what's going on here with the BRP Sierra Madre, which I just find is a hilarious little story. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to look into that one because it's just, to me, it's a fascinating naval story. We're just going to create a base by purposefully beaching a ship. Just sounds crazy and there should be a movie about it. Um, but you have to understand that the United States has been kind of uh, aggressive lately. And it has mostly been since Biden has been in charge. So we have now, because of these balloons, six different Chinese companies have been blacklisted. Okay, so the United States government cannot do business with them, and it even goes a little further. It makes it extremely difficult, I don't think impossible, but very difficult for American companies to work with them. And all those have ties to aerospace, but that's not all. This CHIPS Act that the United States is really big on promoting, and Biden is like, ha ha, I did it, and I forced the Republicans to go along with it, right? And he only touts the part of it that says we're going to invest a lot of money into our semiconductors. Um, but there's actually a lot to that bill that makes it very aggressive. And again, try to look at it from China's point of view. So the CHIPS Act does give a lot of money to invest in semiconductors. But if you are a company that is already working on semiconductors and you want to take some of that money to invest... By taking that money, you have to stop your work in China. Okay, that's the part of the deal. You have to cut all ties with China. You can no longer do business with them if you take American money. Then it turns out that Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, has asked the State Department to also blacklist multiple Chinese semiconductor companies. These are companies that have not done anything criminally wrong. It's just that they're tied to the Chinese Communist Party. Therefore, they're evil. Therefore, Schumer has said that they be blacklisted. That is 
key because he is such a high level ranking official basically asking the state department to blacklist companies out of nowhere again we're supposed to be a capitalist nation that believes in competition yet we have senators just blacklisting for the sake of blacklisting then there's this other deal that isn't getting much attention called the chip four alliance and the four is the number four for four nations that are involved it is a pacific partnership between japan south korea taiwan and the united states that specifically excludes and cuts off china basically those four nations are agreeing that they are only going to work with semiconductors between the four of them and they are going to purposefully exclude and excommunicate china when it comes to deals about semiconductors Again, try to look at it from China's point of view where these alliances and requests are being done to hamper their business interests. And then you also have the State Department is currently lobbying a Dutch chip equipment company called ASML. They're, the, they're a, a chip giant, apparently. I've never heard of them, but they're huge. And they are actively lobbying to stop selling equipment to China. China wants to build semiconductors in-house. They don't like outsourcing all of their materials for obvious reasons. It kind of sucks, and they'd like to do it themselves. So they're actually going around buying the material and the equipment necessary to do all this work in-house permanently. And the United States is actively lobbying companies and governments to stop helping them. And that really bugs me. Um, again, we're supposed to be capitalist, but we're really cutting them off. And the argument is secrets. They're always spying on us, and it's a big deal. And I would like to point out, we spy on them just as much, if not more, than they spy on us. Like, the idea that the United States or us are just, you know, innocent little babes in this fraught world with evil people is absolutely astounding to me that that's what they're going with. And then you also have this subcommittee on competition between the United States and the Chinese Communist Party. And, of course, they phrase that very clearly. Communist must be there can't say the people's republic of china because that sounds like you're against the country itself no you're only against their communist party this would be like if the chinese set up a subcommittee to investigate the competition between the you know between china and the republic the united states a, a republican party okay that's basically what they're doing and the thing that bothers me about this subcommittee is that it passed 365 to 65 in the house okay and it passed 77 to like 30 something some people abstain so it's not a perfect 100 77 to something in the senate this pretty much went the way you would think now the interesting votes are the no votes for me that's alexandria ocasio-cortez katie porter barbara lee katie porter and barbara lee are both running for california senate and barbara lee is notoriously famous for voting against the iraq war all the way back in 2002 so you know, props to her. She's maintained herself. Katie Porter is also a nay on this. Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley also voted nay. So the majority of the squad, the only dissenter was Ilhan Omar, which I find odd because I find it odd that anytime she votes in line with Pelosi and Hakeem Jeffries is odd to me. I think there are some political shenanigans and basically that was the deal is... You know, they don't throw her under the bus any more than they already have. 
and she has to vote along with them. I think that that is a concern, and I'm going to be watching her votes in the future very closely to see if she continues to break from the squad on this. But it is interesting that this committee is basically being made to investigate competition competition between two countries. And it's 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 not being done. I, I, I don't think it's being done in good faith because I don't think anybody is going to sit on that committee and say, hey, maybe the United States has a part to play in this. Maybe we shouldn't be poking the bear, okay? All military analysis says, yes, the United States would win a war with China, straight up. However, they all acknowledge there will be heavy losses on both sides. The economy will be completely destabilized, and there is a high potential of nuclear catastrophe. So there's no way we go into war with China and come out unscathed or necessarily even as a superpower after the fact. We could come out way weaker than what we go in as. Right now, we're in a fantastic position. Our economy is doing well. Our military is the greatest on the earth. We, we have so much going for us, and yet we are risking war with China. Now, I understand China's not a great thing, but again, we aren't cutting off semiconductors because of what they're doing to the Uyghurs. We aren't building military bases because of how they treat Tibet or anything. We're doing this strictly because war. We're not giving them an opportunity. We're not giving them an incentive. Right now, Secretary Blinken was supposed to be going over to China and having a face-to-face -face. that was canceled in light of the balloon stuff. And now it has to be rescheduled. We hope is going to be rescheduled because again, once two nations stop talking is when the bombs start dropping. We don't want this. Now, yeah, we'd win, but at what cost? And the people really pushing for war are not the people who are going to be like on the front lines. And another thing that really bothers me that, that nobody's really talking about, the media is pro-anti-China. Like they, they hate them some China, which makes sense. They are capitalist. They are for-profit, anything anti-communist. I'm worried that the anti-communist propaganda is going to rush us into a lot of conflict that need not happen. Okay, I believe in compromise between two nations. We give up something, they give up something. And I'm not talking about territory or people, but it's really very simple. Are you telling me that we couldn't take our CHIPS Act, our CHIP for Alliance, go to China and be like, hey, this is what we're prepared to do. Would you like to deal? Okay, and this is part of that thing that you know, Hillary Clinton and Trump ended up throwing under the bus. Obama was trying to negotiate the TPP. Remember the Trans-Pacific Partnership? This was a deal that worked with China that would have solved so many of our problems. But unfortunately, everybody was scared because NAFTA was such a bad deal for the United States. The people really didn't need much nudging to think that that was also going to screw them. So Trump comes in, says he's going to he's going to destroy it. And Secretary Clinton, who, you know, negotiated most of it and said at one point it was the gold standard because of the politics of the moment, ended up having to run on. Oh, no, actually, it sucks. And you had Bernie Sanders there, of course, talking about NAFTA and how horrible that was and how TPP was basically the same thing. TPP was not perfect, but what it would have done is it would have solved a lot of these problems that we are currently having. There were negotiations and deals for things 
regarding technology, regarding spying, regarding semiconductors, and regarding all this stuff that would have been handled. But unfortunately, because of the politics of right now, the isolationism that Trump pushed and is very popular on the right right now could counterintuitively actually lead us into war. We're going alone on the semiconductor thing. We're pushing other people to go against them. Rather than working with China, we're isolationist. We're working with people we're already allies with. We're cutting them off. If you're China, how long do you put up with this? Semiconductors are the future of the world. You can't make cars with them. You can't make phones with them. You can't even make refrigerators with them anymore, without them anymore. So you need semiconductors. And this, every single action we've taken is to cut them off at the knees. Like, how many outs are you leaving these people? We constantly talk about the war in Ukraine and, and people are always worried about, oh, well, you have to give... You have to give Putin an out. You have to give him an off-ramp. Well, we're not giving China any off-ramp here. All we're doing is escalating. And eventually, eventually, maybe not anytime soon, but in a couple of years or so, the predictions are true. There are military experts right now out there saying, we're going to be at war with China by 2025. And I'm not seeing anything from the American government right now, from President Biden, from the Republican or Democratic parties, and that really bugs me that both parties right now, there's no negative for being a hawk on China. Every single story about China is negative. Every deal about China is negative. Everything we're doing is aggressive towards China. And I am not defending China's actions here. But at the same time, why, on one hand, do we constantly point at Ukraine and say, oh, we have to let Putin have an off-ramp to save face? But there's absolutely no discussion of that with China. Nobody is saying, hey, why don't we give them an olive branch? Why don't we negotiate with them so that they can off-ramp and save face so they don't have to invade Taiwan? Because eventually, if every single action we take is always aggressive and anti-China... China is going to feel cornered when it comes to deals in the United States. Like, I don't mind in investing in semiconductors. If it was as Biden suggests, and the CHIPS Act was simply the United States investing in semiconductors, that's not a problem. Again, that's competition, right? We should be for that. Competition breeds innovation and success, and yay! But that is not what is happening right now. I'm seeing the drumbeat here where every single story is negative over and over again, and it is reminding me a lot in the buildup to the Iraq War, which is why yesterday was China Part 1, today is China Part 2. I don't know if tomorrow will be China Part 3 because there is so much more to talk about this, and I have run long, and I am very sorry for that. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you again tomorrow. Congratulations, you made it to the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. I would just like to remind everybody that this show is not monetized. I don't have commercials. I don't ask for any commercials. Uh, if Facebook's got one of those buttons that says, you can reach 500 more people if you pay us $10, I always click no. Uh, there's absolutely no money going into this. This is free software. I use Audacity. A few other things. Um, and it's a one-man show. It's just me. So the way to support the show and make sure that it gets out there is strictly through you guys. Like, subscribe, share, leave a comment, write an email, uh, like us on Twitter and all those things. So thank you very much for listening. Have a good day. To feed a person on an all-plant-based vegan diet for a year requires just one-sixth of an acre of land. 
To feed that same person on a vegetarian diet that includes eggs and dairy requires three times as much land. To feed an average U.S. citizen's high-consumption diet of meat, dairy, and eggs requires 18 times as much land. This is because you can produce 37,000 pounds of vegetables on one and a half acres, but only 375 pounds of meat on that same plot of land.